So, today we're going to be thinking about barriers and alienation. Barriers divide people, they alienate people, they separate people. And throughout history, walls and barriers and people have been dividing. They've been alienating, they've been separating. I wonder if you can name any of these walls. Anyone name this wall? Anyone tell me what this is? Berlin Wall, thank you. Joe, heard you loudest, well done. This one? Mexico, Mexico US, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's the Trump, Trump's project. This one? Yeah, great. Uh, so that's between all the boundaries of England and Scotland. Um, uh, a little mile, a mile castle there, a little history lesson for you. That's every mile they had one of those um, uh, squares of, of stone that, that marked every mile along the Hadrian's Wall boundary. Good. Um, good history lesson. Um, how about this one? Anyone know what this, this would mark? Good. I'm, I was expecting that answer, so that's good. <laughs> In 1871, there was a French archaeologist who discovered this limestone slab with a seven-line warning inscription. It's originally from the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And it's in Greek, but the translation in English reads this. No foreigner is to enter within the railing and enclosure around the temple. And whoever is caught will be responsible to himself for his subsequent death. Not the most inviting plaque, is it? (laughs) You see, the Jerusalem temple, where the Jews went, was the place where God symbolically dwelled, where he lived on earth. And if you want to get close to God, then you had to go to the temple. But if you weren't a Jew, if you were a foreigner, you couldn't get into the temple proper, only into the courtyards outside. So it looked a bit like God wasn't accessible for those who weren't part of the Jewish people. That's what it looked like. Hence this sign. Foreigners, keep out. Enter, and you die. Now the original language here is Greek, as I mentioned, and the Greek word used here for the word foreigner which is allogenase, is used in the Bible as well. It's only used once in the whole Bible, right here in the section that we're about to read. We're reading through an account of, the, uh, account of Jesus' life, written by a guy called Luke, and he was tracking his journey towards Jerusalem. And Rachel is going to read for us, I think. Um, thanks, Rachel. Yeah, this is Rachel. <laughs> um, it's on page 1050 of the Blue Bibles, So we're going to be reading chapter 17, verse 11. That's the big number 17 and the little number 11. And just before we read it, I'll just uh, give a little interest to what's going on. Jesus is interacting with a group of people here, uh, but the account focuses on one particular person. He's a foreigner and he's diseased. And both these things mean that he's no good in the eyes of the Jewish people. And in this section we're about to read, we read of a condition called leprosy. And the exact meaning of it isn't exactly clear, but it was certainly some type of skin disease, which meant people were separated and divided from the rest of the people. People were sent away from the towns that they lived in, and they were called unclean. And others avoided them because they didn't want to become unclean themselves. So you can imagine the division and the stigma that this guy faces. So he and nine other lepers seem to have formed this little, little lepers community, and that's where Jesus comes across them just now. Let's read from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now, 
On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Thank you. So these lepers, this group of ten lepers, are alienated. There's a great separation between them and everyone else. And there's a great separation between them and God. They couldn't go to the temple to worship him. So they hear about this guy called Jesus. Maybe they heard about him healing another leper. And now he's here, walking past them. They shout from a distance, not wanting to spread their disease. Jesus, Master, have mercy, or have pity on us. They plead, hoping against all hopes, that this Jesus they have heard about will live up to his name. Will he have compassion? Will he help them? Let's pause for a moment there. I suppose each of us are in different situations. I wonder who you feel alienated from. What divisions are there in your life between you and the people around you? Well, the Bible speaks of one great division, bigger than any falling out, more divisive even than that of the Berlin Wall that we saw earlier. And the Bible speaks of it like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Our alienation from God is severe, even more severe than these lepers' alienation from the temple and their families and their friends. And this account is a little picture of the separation that we as humans all experience from God. And this, this verse here tells us the reason for that. It's because of our evil behavior. Now that word may come across as a little harsh to someone like you. Evil. Sure, there are some people in the world who are evil. Hitler, Bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, Mao. But me? My friends, my family? Don't be ridiculous. The Bible isn't saying that we're all like Hitler. But it is saying that we've all fallen short of God's standard. I can look at myself and see that playing out clearly. My selfishness is obvious in all sorts of scenarios. Think about this thought experiment with me. Imagine every single thing you've ever done in your life was filmed. And every single thought in your head was recorded. Then someone uploaded a summary of all of that onto Facebook for all your family and friends to see. You happen to be around with your closest friends for dinner at the time. And one of them spots this video online. They tap play and your life starts to play out in front of your eyes. 
and the eyes of all your closest friends. For me, there would certainly be moments that I was proud of. Absolutely. But I have to say, as the seconds rolled on, I would want to run out of that room before those closest to me could see the darkness of my heart play itself out on screen. I would want to run away because of that shame, that dirty feeling of shame. How would you feel if that were you? The Bible tells us that God knows every thought we have and every action we've done, every word we say. As a perfect God, he simply cannot be in the presence of people like me, people like you. We are all unclean in his eyes. And so we face a great separation, a great alienation. We were made in relationship with God, but we are alienated because of our evil behavior. And this means humans are all ultimately and profoundly dissatisfied. We're not living the lives we were made for because we are separated from the true life giver, the purpose of it all. Maybe this plays itself out in our boredom or our apathy in work or our dissatisfaction in life in general. Maybe we feel hopeless and question why we exist at all. Or perhaps we just push all of those thoughts to the back of our head, sweep them under the rug, and try to live in denial of them. But that doesn't change the truth. We are alienated from God, the God we are made for. Well, these lepers knew alienation. They knew what it felt like, and they were desperate to get help. They want Jesus to remove their separation from God and other people. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So what will Jesus do? Well, his response initially looks a bit odd, doesn't it? Verse 14, he says, Go, show yourselves to the priests. What on earth is he doing? He's healed lepers before. Why not just do it now? Well, he ties in. This all ties into the old Jewish laws that involving those who are affected by this condition, by this skin disease, by leprosy. The key is that those affected were told to go to the priests after the disease had been uh, uh, healed so that they could be declared clean and re-enter into society. So by doing this, they could enter their family, their home, their society, and their temple to worship God. So here's the odd thing. Jesus tells these lepers to go to the priests and do something which was only to be done once they'd got better. But they weren't better yet. So we read on. Verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus heals these lepers as he sends them away. They got what they wanted from him. It's important to realize that this condition wasn't just a simple spot or a few days of scarring. This disease that they had was significant enough and chronic enough that meant they formed their own little village of people. This was chronic. And so this healing, this distance healing that Jesus performs to answer their cry for pity is a mighty and powerful act of compassion. And this is where the account focuses in on this one guy, the one who returned. All ten were healed, but only one returns to Jesus. See his response to Jesus' life-changing 
healing. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. This guy is overjoyed. And he sees that in order to give praise to God for what he's done, he needs to return to Jesus. So he throws himself at Jesus' feet. He worships God as he does that. And he recognizes who Jesus is. And he's overjoyed. Jesus is the one that the Jewish people are waiting for. The one who is coming to up to destroy the barrier, that alienation that we all face from God. Meaning, we can be in relationship with him. That can be restored. And this man is no longer alienated. The writer, Luke, highlights how doubly incredible this was. Not only was this chap an unclean leper, but he was also an unclean Samaritan. Double alienation, double restoration. You see, Samaritans were half Jew, half non-Jew. They were like the, the, the half-bloods, the mudbloods in Harry Potter, not really belonging to either race and despised by the true people. The race came about after the Assyrians, um, the, another empire, captured the northern part of Israel in about 720 BC. And some Jews stayed behind and intermarried with the Assyrian people, producing the Samaritans. So they were hated by the true, full Jews. They were regarded as foreigners, and Jews were not even to speak to them. Elsewhere in the Bible, there's a story of the good Samaritan that you might have heard of. And that's meant to be surprising. It's like having those two words, good and Samaritan. It's completely absurd to have those two describing the same person. So when Luke reveals that this guy is a Samaritan and a leper, we see the extent of his previous double alienation. Ceremonially and relationally unclean. And see the visual picture of the reversal of this separation. Both times he addresses Jesus in a loud voice. So as a leper, he says, They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And then as a healed man, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. As a leper, he's at a distance. As a clean man, he's at his feet. Alienation destroyed. This leprous Samaritan recognized God's power in Christ. He returned to Jesus as the one who exercised that power. Now, we don't really know what happened to the other nine. What we do know is clear from the three rhetorical questions that Jesus asks in verses 17 to 18. Those nine weren't where they were meant to be. So first question, were not all ten cleansed? Yes, all of them experienced Jesus' compassion and mercy in some way. Second question, where are the other nine? They're not here. That's the answer. Third question, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? No, only him, only the foreigner. Maybe as good Orthodox Jews, these other nine kept going to the priests, thinking it was the priests that had cleansed them. But Jesus makes it clear that the expected and the correct response to their partial restoration was to return to Jesus and to praise God. You can't praise God 
without praising Jesus. Jesus is God. And they didn't have the faith in who he was and who he is. That miracle in their lives was meant to point them to who Jesus is. But instead, they ignore the good things that he's given them and he's done for them. And they just get on with life. In faith, this one guy returns to Jesus and sees that he's the one who's responsible for him healing. And Jesus commends the guy who returns. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That word made you well in the original language actually also means saved. It can be translated either way. It's translated as saved in many places in Luke's gospel. He isn't just healed like the other man, the other nine. What happens to him is not just the physical healing that the other nine received, but it's also forgiveness for alienating himself from God. It's restoration to relationship with him. He is saved by faith in Jesus. If you've been tracking through Luke, the account of Luke with us, you may recognize these same words that Jesus says to, the same, um, to, to different people, to the sinful woman, to, to the woman bleeding with, um, uh, where Jesus comes and, and heals her, to Jairus, and he will say it again in chapter 18. Again and again, Jesus encounters people and he saves them by faith. Each of these people responded in faith to Jesus and he saves them. This account is another in the battery of stories in which God's saving king, Jesus, rescues the most unlikely of people, a Samaritan leper, double alienation. And this account highlights the difference between exposure to Jesus, the nine, and receiving him by faith, this one Samaritan. Each person faces a choice. Each one of us faces a decision. Which one will I be? All of us here are exposed to the person of Jesus. As we hear about him, as we think about him, as we meet people who believe in him. And so there's a choice that each of us has to make. Will I go on being happy with mere exposure to Jesus? Tasting a little of the goodness that he brings to my life. Perhaps being here at Hope City boosts my morale. Or the community makes me feel loved and welcome. Maybe I enjoy the singing, or I like the cake after the gathering. Those are all good things, especially the cake. Thank you to those who are making it. And outside of this building, all people live in a world created by God, sustained by God. We are all exposed to God's goodness and his mercy. But in reality, the correct response highlighted here is only by praising God through Jesus, by coming to Jesus, just like this one guy who returns to him. That's the only right response. Falling at his feet and praising God shows that he recognized Jesus as Savior from God. Only one out of ten, a Samaritan leper, returns to recognize Jesus as the true healer the true saviour. He's the only one who removes that sense of alienation from God and other people. He's the only one who can make you clean, like this leper was made clean. 
So the question is, will you fall at his feet and worship him? Perhaps you've already done that. Perhaps you would say that your faith is in Jesus. We read a sentence from elsewhere in the Bible earlier explaining why we are alienated from God. Look how it continues as the writer describes those who have put their faith in him. So we read earlier, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How wonderful is that? And this Samaritan has a great lesson to teach those of us who do have that faith by the way that he responds to Jesus. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This is the correct response to being made clean by Jesus, to being restored from alienation from God to relationship with him. What a posture of gratitude as he had his feet. I wonder how often we do praise and thank Jesus for this utter reversal in our position. This isn't simply a a thank you as you might thank the bus driver as you get off the bus. This wholehearted praise and thanksgiving is, is absolute to the one who has cleansed him. If you believe in Jesus as your saviour and Lord, you have been rescued from alienation and brought close to God. You can enjoy every spiritual blessing in him. You have an everlasting hope because of him. You, your past selfishness has been wiped clean and you are adopted into his family. You are free from accusation. Let's not take that for granted. I find it so, so easy to be complacent and forget that I don't deserve any of that. So let's build patterns into our lives that remind us to come to Jesus and praise him as God, falling at his feet and worshipping him. And we're going to think more about how that might look in the evening gathering uh, later on. Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem. He's willingly walking towards his death to bring people back from that alienation we have brought upon ourselves. And by dying in this way, Jesus says he was taking the place that we deserve, taking the punishment that we should receive for walking away from God. In doing that, he offers us restoration from the alienation from God that we have chosen. That temple that we thought about right at the beginning contained a huge curtain inside. And in a way, that curtain, it separated or alienated people from the symbolic presence of God. It was like a thick, thick wall, dividing us bad people from a perfect God. As Jesus died on a hill nearby, eyewitness accounts state that this curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus didn't just restore this guy to relationship with God. He offers it to us all. It's like he rips that curtain, away for us too, so we can know him. So we can live the life we were designed to live. No more alienation, no more separation, cleansed by him, restored to relationship with him. 
We're going to sing a song uh, in response to what we just heard. So I'll invite the band up now. Why not take it as an opportunity to reflect on this account, what we've learned, what we've seen about Jesus, what we've looked at, and what it means for you. Feel free to sing along with us or just listen. The last words of the song are these. Holiness that forms as you draw me close. In you, what was lost is restored. Jesus draws us close, no longer alienated, but restored by him.